A note. Following advice from work-life imbalance may lead to action being taken by HR, your family, the authorities, or higher powers. Welcome to Work-Life Imbalance, an advice show focusing on workplace and lifestyle issues. Any resemblance to actual advice, living or dead, or actual wisdom is purely coincidental. I'm your monstrous manager, Frank Eastman. And I'm your lovable office companion, Derek Lewis. Today, we'll be talking about office pranks in the deep dive before we address some audience questions and issues from the internet. But first... The Daily Stand-Up. Time for the Daily Stand-Up. Mm-hmm. I won't distract you this time. I'll let you get right into it. Oh, I, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> shit, I had nothing prepared. I was counting on you. <laughs> um, uh, no, I uh, I was going to talk about, and I, I don't know if we've discussed it before. I don't think we've discussed it on the podcast, uh, but Ethiopian food. Uh-huh. Have you I'm had and do that. you like Ethiopian food? I do. Uh, I, I think it it might be slightly more adventurous than I normally uh, would go for. Not necessarily like the flavor profiles or anything like that. It's because it's it's literally all butter, like which speaks to me <laughs> on a deep spiritual level. Um, but the problem is, is that you can't go there and use like a fork. Like you have to use. Uh, I forget what the bread is called. Um, injera. It's that injera. Um, you know, essentially, it's that, it's that spongy little rolled bread, um, and you just kind of roll it out like a fucking sleeping bag and start scooping up your stuff. Um, and that's that it, it works well. I mean, <laughs> why use something inedible to eat your food when you can use something else that is edible to eat your food? I, I get I, it. I like it. It's it's an interesting <laughs> concept, as you said. Like, hmm, when when I contemplate this. Why don't I just use something to pick up the food that is in and of itself also food? Right. I mean, it's basically an edible fork at that point. Um, but but the thing is, is that, you know, and you, you may be kind of heading this direction, but um, the, the local place that we have near us that does Ethiopian food, um, they are, I mean, they're all about it. And, you know, and it's great. Like, they're so proud of the food. And it, and they will talk to you for a long time about the food. And I love that. Um, I love people that get, get excited about their food. Um, but the problem is, is that, you know, some of the tables that they have set up, like, you can eat either in the restaurant or it's in a, it's in a food hall. So you can either eat in the restaurant or you can eat in the tables outside. And there's windows from those tables into, like, the cooking area. And so, like, you'll be sitting out there scooping up your food with the uh with the bread and then you run out and then you start kind of looking around for a fork and uh you know you go retrieve a fork from somewhere else come back start eating and you look up and the <laughs> owner of the restaurant <laughs> is locking eyes with you and <laughs> you realize you have been caught you have been caught defiling their food we see you Derek we see you using a fork yes the the four-pronged devil's instrument um and, you know, and they use it as a funny kind of a, a tongue in cheek opportunity to come bring you more bread. Uh, but there is shame wrapped up in that delicious injera from, from then on out. Like he knows. The injera bread, uh, especially, 
is one of those things that it, it takes a, a little bit of getting used to because I liken it to it feels like a mouse pad. It absolutely does. 100%. That is the closest inedible analog that you can make to, to that brand. And so my fingers are constantly <laughs> like, this is mouse pad. And then I'm like, and I'm going <laughs> to stuff it in my face. Uh, I mean, now that I'm sitting here, like, like touching my, my mouse pad, I'm just thinking, man, I wish I had some lamb to scoop this scoop up with this. That. That'd be real nice right now. So the thing that I have discovered over a, a reasonable amount of time, like it, it's not the first time that I've had uh, Ethiopian, but it, I'm not like, oh, I eat Ethiopian every other week or anything. Right. But what I'm discovering is I I like the vegetable, like the vegetarian dishes in the Ethiopian sort of cuisine selection area better than I like the meat dishes. You talking about like the the lentils and stuff like that, or what are you talking lentils, about? Lentils, peas, the spinach is good. They do like these these potatoes, um, all kinds of different stuff. Three different types of lentils. <laughs> See, this is where you can tell the the cultural differences between you know Ethiopian food and American food is that you know, they actually put care <laughs> into their vegetable side dishes. Um, you could eat the side dishes without actually eating meat, um, which I know, you know, that, that if me included, that, that is somehow offensive on a deep level to think that there's a meal that doesn't include meat as a central <laughs> That component. does not include meats. Yeah. A meal without meat does not a meal make. But yeah, they, they do put a lot of care into those dishes, uh, to those side dishes. Um, or I mean, like you said, not even really side dishes, just, you know, vegetarian dishes. Um, oh yeah. I mean, you can, you can order them just, you know, like it's, it's a full on, it's a dish. We usually get like the vegetable sampler. That's got a little bit of a bunch of different ones. Mm -hmm. Uh, cause it makes a nice share plate. Right. Okay. Can we, let's talk about that for one second. <laughs> Not only do you have to, uh, or, or are you supposed to eat the, the food with the bread that is included, but it is, that, that's right. It is placed on a dish in the center of the table for all people to share. Yes, it is. It is a, a food uh, sort of culture that is is very wrapped up in uh, sort of communal eating. Uh huh. So I, I know the place that you're talking about has like uh, I guess the traditional sort of places to sit and eat, where it's not really a table; it's a stand upon which the the platter is placed, right. and everyone just kind of sits around it. Exactly. That that would take some getting used to. I have not gone for Ethiopian with anybody that I would not already sort of eat off of their plate. Right. It it, it truly is an exercise, uh, I feel, in trust. Because in order for me to enjoy the meal, I have to, to trust that all of my companions have washed their fucking hands in the recent past. Um, this is a this is a completely true statement. Plus, you're in a public space, so regardless of like the amount of time since previous hand wash, mm -hmm. you you have been existing in sort of a public space, and invariably your hands have touched other things. It's not like you've been walking around with one hand inside of a latex glove since the last <laughs> time you washed your hands. You haven't, <laughs> even if it was right before. You <laughs> <laughs> but it's not a sanitary thing. It's. It's a kink. <laughs> so. so. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, uh, we don't need to overshare, Derek. Let me find my safe word. Look, it, you you've been e- eating Ethiopian, so I felt that I would be in the sharing mood and uh, overshare there we my go. personal life. So, and I think I like I'm not an expert by any stretch of the imagination, but I think you're supposed to eat only with your right hand, yes, specifically for that reason, yes. Like culturally, the left hand is for doing things that ain't clean. It and is so the right hand. Un- okay, so unlike you, who have uh, the the third finger on your left hand as the dirty finger, they just go ahead and lump the entire hand into the uh, the, the the dirty category um, because that is what you use to do certain bathroom things with, and only that hand. Which that would be a problem. Uh, I am right-handed. <laughs> my left hand can Derek's do nothing. Derek's not a soft. Oh. Yeah, my. <laughs> Uh, I'm not cut out for this ambidextrous bullshit. My left hand is not really fit to do anything. Like I can, I can type on on the left half of the keyboard. That's about all I got. Um, <laughs> beyond that, it is it is incapable. So uh, that's a problem. But but yeah, uh, and I th- I think there's one other thing that I am I am not like hip hipster uh, kid enough to have have mastered and or even attempted or care to attempt, but. Uh, there, there's also a part of the, the same cultural food practice there that I think is like, uh, it's, it's traditional for, you know, like a, a friend, um, (laughs) to like wrap up a little bite of food and feed it to their other friend as Uh a sign of respect. Uh huh. (laughs) Yeah. Derek, I love you and all, man, but I, I ain't gonna have you wrapping up anything. And finger stuffing it in my goddamn gob. Like, that's just not going to happen, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Me, uh, <laughs> me f- finger fucking your face with Ethiopian food does not <laughs> sound like a good afternoon. I mean, I keep trying to, I keep trying to, to uh, force feed you those <laughs> unwrapped Werther's originals I have in my pocket. And so I, I guess we're not really on those terms yet, but <laughs> one day, one day we will. <laughs> No, but, th- uh, but that is such a, I mean, it's not a weird concept. I get it. I get that you're supposed to have people in your life that you are okay with them feeding you. Um, and, and maybe it's a preparation for old age when you are no longer capable of, of feeding yourself. You got to get used to it from an early age because you don't know when it's going to uh, hit. Like You don't know whether you're going to be 25 or 55 when that hits, when you're uh, rendered an invalid. <laughs> but because of lack of vaccines, it's going to happen. Um. <laughs> oh no! Oh, oh no, Frank! I, I don't want. I, I don't want to feed you. I don't want you to feed me. Shall we get to the deep dive? Let's do it. Today in the deep dive, want to talk about pranks in the workplace. The hopefully good intention goofs you play on your coworkers. Uh, this can be both in the physical realm or the digital realm. Uh, Frank, what? would you classify yourself as are you a physical pranker or a digital pranker i guess i'm a physical pranker okay uh i'm more the kind of enabler than the pranker most of the time like i'm the guy that's egging on the other person who's got the who wants to do the prank okay so you're you're i'm not, helping them figure out logistics right so you're not directly uh doing the pranking but you are enabling other people and uh, encouraging other people to do the pranking. Exactly. Okay, I can get behind that. 
Um, me myself, uh, I have never been one for uh, craftiness or uh, <laughs> pretty much anything in the physical medium. I'm pretty much shit. So like <laughs> you know, physical activity, uh, arts and crafts, anything like that. Physical has never been my forte. So uh, most of the pranking that that I have done uh, has been for the most part digital. Um, you know, so I, I guess let's back up a little bit. Um, in your office experience, uh, how much have you been around pranking in the office, and you know how much how much hell have you seen it uh, wreak amongst your compatriots? I uh, previous jobs had a lot more pranks than the current job I'm at. Uh, the the place that I work now is definitely known for being relatively staid, I guess. Mm-hmm. Which is to say, there there's no there's it's not that there's no pranking. It's just they tend to be far between and also uh, very mild right. in in sort of scope and result. My, my previous office was a lot more Wild West in, <laughs> in sort of its outlook. And so I have seen some pranks there that, you know, kind of got into the, mm, holy shit, I don't know if you should have done that realm. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I think the I think the big thing about about pranks is essentially you kind of have to walk that tightrope of of knowing how far is going to be too far. And like you said, you know, the actual environment of the office uh, plays a big role in that. Like, you know, if you're in a, a stuffy office, you know, you probably can't get away with nearly as much as if you're in kind of a startup like startups. Uh, that don't have fully fledged uh, HR departments, probably, uh, you can get away with a lot more. But you also kind of have to, uh, whatever your pranks are, whoever the target of the prank is, you kind of have to gauge it to them a little bit, uh, because, you know, there are some people that you play a prank on them, and it doesn't matter whether it's, like, turning their wireless mouse off or planting some sort of like IED in their desk drawer, like you're going to get the same response. Like you're going to get a complete and utter meltdown. Um, so those are the people you probably don't want to, <laughs> don't want to prank. You say that Derek, and, and but that, that is actually a, another, uh, another point I was going to make later, but es- essentially there are some people you, you can prank for a, as a goof because you like somebody and then you can prank as, I don't know, punishment? As... It's like social karmic balance, I guess. <laughs> you're, you, you aren't adding to the problem, you're restoring balance. Exactly. I'm bringing balance back to the universe by taking this prick down a peg or two. <laughs> and those... I, you know, maybe it's just I'm somewhat of a mean-spirited person, but those are kind of my favorite ones. Okay. Are, are the pranks against people uh, for whom, like, having a prank done on them is is something that's going to make them very much upset. Right. Uh, and generally, they are also the people who fucking deserve it the most. Right. <laughs> uh, and so I guess just... They've had a lot more than others. <laughs> exactly. Like, they're, they're such a prick... And then some some people are just so fucking batshit insane about it that it almost demands a pranking in in response to it. Uh-huh. 
Like it's, you know, you get one of those people who it's like someone else in the office had a very small prank pulled on them and they just go off on like rants for weeks about how everybody better know not to touch any of their shit and... (laughs) And everybody should know that, you know, they would go straight to HR if anybody did anything to any of their stuff or their computer. And it's like, you're just guaranteeing at this point that it's going to happen that again. somebody <laughs> is going to have to get you. Right. Because you've made such a humongous deal about it that it's got to get done now. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and I completely agree with that. Uh I tend to to be more kind of the uh, the innocent uh, innocent jokester playing tricks on people that I like because you know, for for somebody like myself who uh, does not I don't really love conflict and things like that like I don't I don't necessarily want to uh, antagonize the people that I don't like uh, because the thing is they make your heart, your life hard enough anyway why would you want to to rile them up and make make your life that much worse. Um, I can I get the kind of karmic revenge and, and karmic comeuppance that uh, that you can exact on them through these pranks, but at the same time, you're you're just making the office that much louder and that much more more intense. And Derek needs a calm calm environment in which to do his uh, his wonderful work, <laughs> whatever that may be. <laughs> I I think part of it comes from like my uh, high school group was definitely the kind of people who would do pranks and take those pranks entirely farther than they needed to be taken. Right. You know, for good sense and or safety. Right. <laughs> well, let's say this. Let's say this. In your professional life or prior, either one, what is the craziest prank you have ever seen someone pull? Craziest prank that I've seen someone pull... Uh, from an office perspective, it's, it's not all that crazy, but one of my favorite ones was just mail order in nature. Um, someone had gotten, uh, it's a little device that, that you could get from a, an online store mm-hmm. that, uh, had a magnet on it and a small battery. And then at relatively randomized intervals, it would beep. Oh God. And then oh, you just take it no. and you turn it on and you put it in somebody's cube, like using the magnet so that it's stuck up under and inside someplace where it's not going to be easy to find. Oh my God. And so just it, at random intervals, there's a, you know, a fucking beep. Yep. Just a beep. And just often enough to completely drive them insane. And it's the kind of thing that it takes, you know, like a week or so for it to really begin paying off before they're disassembling their fucking cubicle trying to get at whatever this noise-making device is. Frank, you are describing a literal living hell. Um, <laughs> and and after your previous statements about the fact that, that people that, that say that, oh, you better not prank me, I, 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 am, I am afraid to utter these words, but that would literally kill me. no uncertain terms if i was to essentially be at my desk at my work and hear a beep once i can ignore twice we're pushing it three times gotta figure out where it's coming from 
<laughs> either to because because it, it may not be that I need to stop it from happening, but I just need to understand it. Like that that's all there is to it. I just need to understand uh, so that my brain can comprehend, you know, okay, I have to deal with this beeping fire alarm or a, a smoke alarm or something like that. That is normally enough. But but having having no clue where this is coming from, I would rip a I would rip an office apart. Like I I would starting from my desk and working outward in some sort of spiral pattern, I would dismantle everything in the fucking building. <laughs> Luckily, Derek, we no longer work together, and I am definitely not the kind of person who would take the fact that he knows where you work and how to get into the building to take an opportunity while you're at lunch at some point to come in and place a device like that in your desk at work. See, the the, the fact that you say that, uh, and the fact that even even our audience, our, our listeners, all three of them at this point, know that that is complete and utter bullshit, you are absolutely the person, the type of person that would do that. And I'm just glad that so far I have not... Oh, shit. I just realized there is cross-section over people that you have worked with in the past and have good rapport with and the people that I currently work with. So I'm now worried. <laughs> I legitimately, uh, I thought you were going to bring up this point and I thought I was going to be like, man, you don't even know anybody that I work with. But now I, I realize I do work with somebody you know, and that... That is bringing on a level of fear I was not anticipating on at this point in the podcast. Um, what you what you weren't counting on was six degrees of Frank Eastman. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! So it's like the mafia, Derek. No matter how well you think you're hidden, I can reach out and touch you, <laughs> if for no other reason than to demonstrate that I can. Oh God! As long as you don't feed me, I guess. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just sneak up behind you with some injera bread and be like, hey, Derek, guess what? Blorp. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, out of, of my living hell, I, I personally have not witnessed a lot of super funny pranks. Uh, for the most part, they've they've been pretty tame. Most of the ones that I that I've seen or or done myself have been, like I said, more or less digital. Um, primarily, you know what will what I'll end up doing is uh, if I see somebody has left their computer unlocked, it, it is an it, most of the time I don't act on it, like because because people either their computers unlocked all the time. Um, but if it's somebody that I'm really good friends with and you know we have a you know good back and forth ribbing going on, uh, I will go and change their background to My Little Pony. Um, and <sighs> I thought you were going to say that you would never give them up. I'm you would never let them down. Oh, yes. No, no, no. That, that is, that is a different, that is a different layer of assault, I believe. Because this one is, is more or less, you know, it's their background. They probably aren't even going to see it for a couple of days. <laughs> because if you're anything like me, like I have like 15 windows just plastered, you know, all over and I don't actually see my background for days at a time. So eventually it'll come around like, Oh shit. It's my little pony. That brings up a, a singular problem that I think has ruined the world and, and, uh, lessons, 
lessens the human spirit to know that you can no longer Google My Little Pony at work. Uh, <laughs> <that> is, <laughs> the internet has has ruined something else. <laughs> so I've had Eric, to, the internet has long ago ruined everything. But it, it, it may just be that you have a growing awareness of these things. Well, it's not necessarily that it's ruined worse now. I think that the the fact of the matter is Google is caring less to filter it out. <laughs> like <laughs> when it first began. Uh, when the infection first started, like that would be on like page like 35 of Google. But now if you type in my little pony picture, result number four is going to be some sort of pony slash fan fiction. Like it's going to be <laughs> is fucking bonkers. So no, you kind of have to switch something a little bit more tame. Now, the second. But here's the thing, Derek. I have I've come to the office carrying a my little pony lunchbox uh-huh. completely unironically. So there's that. <laughs> I mean that's that's fine uh if nothing more than just to ward off my pranking it it's effective but then the the second the second layer <laughs> there's a way to go in and rewire all of the the keyboard presses and mouse clicks and everything uh to link to a sound and you just link that up oh, to man. to a wave file of 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 rickroll of never going to give you up never going to let you down and then anytime they do anything, it starts playing. And you can also change like their default speakers and stuff like that to where it doesn't go through their headphones. They start typing in, you know, an, an email, and all of a sudden <laughs> you get like f- like fifteen cascades. Of <laughs> it is c- it is cacophonous and awful. Um, I mean, hearing it once is bad enough, but hearing it 15 times in some sort of like row, row, row your boat round, like it is pretty (laughs) terrible. Um, no, but I I still think those are, are pretty tame, you know, by comparison, like those, those might be annoying and, and in the right circumstances, it could be pretty bad, but, but how far is too far? Like if you had to just draw a, a firm line in the sand what do you say is is too far for pranking? If I had to draw a firm line in the sand, Derek, it would be that episode of South Park where Cartman fed that kid his parents. <laughs> I mean, okay. So let's back it off of that just a little bit. Um, because obviously I think we can all agree that... that uh, per- we shouldn't be Titus and trying to connect see uh, each other's... Uh- Loved ones, yeah. Parental cannibalism is is right out there in things that that you shouldn't do as a you know as a weekday goof. Um, but beyond that, you know, something that you know is kind of something that may be a little more plausible than having somebody eat their parents. What what do you say is too far? Anything that's going to get anybody like you or the person that you're pranking in trouble with HR. Because mm-hmm. uh, I have seen people get like porn bombed. Right. And, and that's problematic. That that one can, can cause some problems with HR and, and IT and everything else. And, you know, then everybody's got a little on them because if it's, if it's <laughs> anything that is bad enough that people are starting to do, like, digital footprint backtracking, uh-huh. trying to find out the source of it, that's, you don't want investigations. Investigations no. are bad. I, it, they'll, they'll cast a wide enough net that... <laughs> That there will be something that is found on everybody's computer that they didn't want somebody else to find, and that that is not that is not a scene you want to be a part of. Yeah, I, I think that anything that has to do with, uh, with 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 pornography is probably a bad idea, uh, un- unless you work in a very 
um, a very open-minded and very, very good humored environment. Um, I was going to say it would have to be like a very specific office, like, like a, a porn company office maybe. Yeah. And then that's just work <laughs> yeah, materials. If, so then it's not really a prank. Yeah. If you work at Pornhub, I don't think it's necessarily a prank. It's just a, it's still business email. Like, so it's not, not really a problem. I would say that, that a hard line for me is actual destruction of property. You know, there can be kind of like the, uh, the appearance of the destruction of property. Like, like you think your, your, uh, monitor is messed up because it's, you know, giving blue lines or something like that. But in reality, it's just like a, a trick, you know, that they think that like their monitor is all fucked up. Um, unless they then like pick it up and throw it because it is fucked up. <laughs> like then you, you know, your, your harmless goof has turned into a, uh, a, a company loss, but you know, you but don't, it's not your fault at that point, Derek. <sighs> Technically you are correct. But pragmatically, and that's you are the, the best kind of correct. <laughs> I agree. But uh, when HR comes to Colin and asks why they threw the monitor, uh, it's it's kind of like the five whys uh, of computer security or network, whatever. Um, essentially, you ask the five the five whys of you know why did this happen? It's like why did you throw your monitor? Well, because I I thought there was something wrong with it. Why did you think there was something wrong with it? Because, you know, somebody had played a trick on me. Why did somebody play a trick on you? Because they're, they're an asshole that deserves to get fired. Oh, 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 well. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, only took three questions <laughs> to figure out who uh, is truly responsible. Now, of course, there is, like, the, the mental aspect of, like, <laughs> when something is broken, you do not immediately launch it across the office. Like, that is not, that is not company protocol. Um, yeah, that's kind of proving that you've got bad decision making skills in the first place. <laughs> well, instead of well, instead of firing one person, that then they fire two people. Like that's <laughs> still a normal day in HR. <laughs> so good physical pranks like that though are are good only when you've sufficiently covered your tracks that no one can ever catch you. Right. And I've been watching a lot of forensics files, and even though these were were mostly filmed like. The last one is in like 2010 or something or 2008. Even back then, like they could find digital footprints and they're a lot more advanced now. I don't even want to walk by a computer if I plan on pranking it later. Like I don't want, want any trace of my presence or else they'll, they'll find it and they'll throw me in jail, Frank. I don't want to go to jail. I won't survive. I'm too pretty. <laughs> You're too pretty, Derek. I don't want to go to jail. But I do want to go to accounting. That sounds like a much better place than jail. All right, Derek, want to go into the review retrospective? I've got one titled Chill and Informative Pod, four points or four stars by Drew from Denver, who writes Nice Concept. And the easy back and forth between the hosts make this a chill and fun show to check out. The shared experience of the hosts bring cool insider info and wisdom, plus the questions are pretty entertaining and also informative. I would like more question and answer in terms of more questions as opposed to spending as much time on a single question. Thanks, fellas. I think I'll send in a question this week. Yeah. Well, thanks, Drew. And... I will concur. 
I would love to have more questions per episode, but there seems to be a limiting factor. <laughs> yes, at this point, Drew, the limiting factor is uh, that that we don't have like a nonstop stream of questions coming into the work-life imbalance uh, question box. And so we kind of got yeah, a parcel exactly out. an audience question bukkake up in here. Like it's, it is, uh, yeah. you know, we are monogamous at best. Uh, <laughs> no audience orgies. <laughs> we date each question yeah. for a while. <laughs> Get to know them, really. <laughs> We're not super choosy here at Work Life and Balance. So if you're listening, please feel free to send <laughs> yes. in a question. <laughs> Appease Drew. <laughs> Uh, next up, we have a review titled What a Lovely Podcast by 000, five stars. The best thing about this podcast is the best thing about any podcast, that the hosts have excellent rapport with each other and win over their much-desired audience with friendly banter and excellent-slash-terrible advice. Highly recommend you give it a listen. Well, thanks, Triple Zero. <laughs> well, that is... That is pleasant. Uh, and I think if I remember correctly, uh, check the, uh, the country on that one. I believe that is. Yep. Zero, zero, zero is the from the UK. UK. All one right. One listener from across the pond. Yes. <laughs> We've made it, The American Derek. invasion has begun. <laughs> we have arrived. Oh. I mean, nobody's ever done that before. They gave us the Beatles and we give them... Uh, well, like a princess, but then also, I guess, us two assholes. Uh, that's probably not the best, uh, royal wedding gift we could have given. Um, but that's all we've got. As always, thanks to everybody who gives us reviews in iTunes. The reviews in iTunes really help us out. Uh, it helps with visibility and, uh, discoverability. And the more people who leave reviews, the more people who see the podcast. And it swells our ego to such an amazing extent. And we really appreciate that because if there's anything we need here, um, it is bigger heads. So thank you very much. I mean, that's the reason why I do this, Derek. I don't know about you. <laughs> it's for the fame, well, I mean, baby. It, as fast as uh, we have been growing, uh, my head can't get any bigger. I don't have enough budget for hats. Like, <laughs> I can't afford to go up another size in hats, Frank. I was gonna say I can I can key you in on a pretty good hat place um, for people who have unusually sized domes, Derek. <laughs> See, I was just goofing, but now now I'm interested. <laughs> All right, I uh, wonder the uh, indie podcast corner. Let's go to the indie podcast corner. All right, there's no fancy theme music, unfortunately. Maybe I'll maybe I'll do that at one point. Get some. Some sort of. <laughs> I was gonna say we it would need to be singer songwriter. I guess if it's the indie podcast corner. See, well, I have a guitar, I have a voice, and I have a way to record. I mean, by law, doesn't that make me a, a singer songwriter? I think this is already? this is now a requirement, Derek. I think you are going to have to create a jingle for the indie podcast corner. Ah, uh, man, if you want to ruin the bit, that's fine. We'll we'll fuck it right up. <laughs> All right, this week for the Indie Podcast Corner, I want to talk about the Grave Girls podcast. Uh, it is three gals, uh, Hawthorne, Hazel, and Amaryllis. 
they review horror films and discuss paranormal and creepy stories from around the internet. Episodes that I've listened to have been you know, absolutely hilarious. They have great banter. Uh, they're they are very funny, and some of their <laughs> some of their jokes are very dark. <laughs> like I was listening, I was like I was like Jesus Christ. <laughs> I think in the in the latest episode as of this recording, uh, there was like a legitimate joke about like parent death in the middle of, <laughs> of like a dollar tree, <laughs> like a, a fake meltdown over uh, parent death. Uh, yeah, that. That is the kind of comedy that I can fucking get behind. But no, they have covered some really good uh, horror movies. Uh, I think they covered The Conjuring, uh, VHS 1 and 2. Um, well, VHS 1, good. VHS 2, eh, I can take it or leave it. But I guess they come as a package. Um, but yeah, so uh, if you like uh, horror movies or if you like the paranormal or uh, creepy stuff, go give them a listen. Um, once again, that is the uh, the Grave Girls podcast. And you can find them on Twitter at grave underscore girls. This definitely sounds interesting. <laughs> what? What a fucking endorsement! Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> oh man oh. I'm the best at this <laughs> you, you, you do a oh. good job Frank <laughs> <laughs> there's a reason why you do the ending podcast corner Derek I'm like yep they got a podcast it's uh it's it's pretty good real good oh, podcast <laughs> That's that's a good show, yeah. It's a pretty good show. I'm Don Wrinkle, and everybody's got a podcast. And if you're gonna listen to one, Import Taste is the way to go, cause it's very greasy. This is Bill Lawyerson to tell you that Import Taste is the podcast you should listen to if you want to get sued. I'm Big Jim here to say if you listen to Import Taste, huh? Guess we'll give you a Christmas handy. It's in poor taste. It's definitely not a comedy podcast. And it's definitely not educational. And it's definitely Australian. Stop, Stop asking. asking. Hello, I'm a Giorgio Casadoro, and this is my brother. Fativa. Come on down, in poor taste. We're taking back and polish your jewels. That's us. South Hills, Pittsburgh. Born and raised. Listen to Import Taste on the Podsberg Network. www.podsberg.com slash taste for all of your edutainmentional podcast needs. If you guys said they were pod. All right, Derek, want to get to an audience question? Out of mouthful of water. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready. Okay. Come on. Hit so me. I'm on a ton of conference calls. Sometimes I try to break up the monotony with humor, and it's met with silence. How should I reply? Sent in by Trisha from Two Girls on a Bench. Yeah, that is uh, that's a bit of a tough one. As somebody who has quite a bit of experience with saying things they find are funny, only to have nothing be said in re- in response, I know it sucks <laughs> because you waste a lot of good material that way. 
But sometimes that's just what you got to do, I think. Yeah. It, it takes some time to learn the audience. So, you know, you sometimes toss out your A material to people that aren't that aren't deserving of that A material. So I get it. I, I get where you're coming from. Well, think of it as workshopping the material, really. And you just bring back that joke a couple of times in different meetings or meetings with the same people. And eventually they'll let you know. They'll be like, eh, I think you need to shorten it up a little bit. Or... <laughs> it's not, not tight enough. <laughs> yeah. Kinda, your punchline's a little muddy. Setup was was a little too long. Yeah, I have a problem with this a little bit. Uh, you know, in that I have a problem with dead air. Like whether I'm on the phone with like a friend or a family member or uh, on a conference call or just like podcast broadcast. <laughs> Anything where I am in a a position where I'm standing next to somebody or like. In some sort of, you know, within earshot of somebody and, and nobody saying anything, I am the I am probably the one that's going to fill it with with something. Hopefully, hopefully witty, hopefully coherent. But that does not always happen. <laughs> like, And sometimes you have that build up where it's like, oh, shit, nobody say anything. Oh, shit. Nobody still nobody say anything. OK, got to say something funny. OK, think of something funny. OK, that that's funny. OK, now think about it. All right. Now say it. Oh, you fucked it up. Oh, you had the shot and you missed it. <laughs> With me, I'm generally like, should I? No. Yeah. All right. I think this will be pretty funny. And I'll like open my mouth and get the first syllable out as like uh -huh. the silence gets broken and people move on. Right. <laughs> so in my head, I'm fucking hilarious. But on the phone call, I'm just the guy that goes, uh, <laughs> uh. Or what's or what's worse is when you know two people who are equally as uh, discomforted by silence both try to say something you know sort of funny at the same time and they're all st they're just both stepping over each other. It's like no no you go you go. It's like fuck it it wasn't my thing wasn't funny to begin with. Just say your thing. Jesus. I think the way that we solve this is that we just have like offices have mandatory training anyway on various uh -huh. office skills. I think an improv class would probably do well for everybody. <laughs> I, I can see that. Yeah. And then just like every, uh, every meeting you start off, part of the agenda includes an improv game, uh, for people to play, uh, during the course of the oh, meeting. Okay. No, I'm out. I am so fucking out. Oh God. You at first, I thought we were going somewhere where it's like everybody is just naturally funny and we let it be organic. But no, you're talking about fucking improv team building exercises. No. No. <laughs> you don't want to do scenes from a hat over a conference call, Derek? Oh, you're killing me. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm, oh, I'm dying inside. I am literally, I'm getting, I'm getting secondhand embarrassment from something that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> No, but just the thought of being with, you know, some of the people that I worked with in the past and having to do something in so, not even intentionally funny. It's not it it's not, is it supposed to be funny? Like <laughs> really, I don't know uh, if I'm missing the premise or if I'm just expecting too much. Like <laughs> Well, Derek, but it's awful. one would hope that if it is actually like comedy improv games, 
that it would be funny, given that it's an office environment full of people who are not trained improv artists. You're right. It would just be a half hour of cringe packaged around whatever we're actually here to talk about. And and the thing is, like, I can't even watch The Office because of all the secondhand embarrassment that it, that it you know <laughs> that it inflicts upon its its viewers. So like like this is the worst end of the world. Anything else, whatever else fear that I have, sitting here and experiencing my coworkers <laughs> do an improv <laughs> game, it tops the list, and it is miles ahead of anything else that I fear. Like. <laughs> I cannot imagine. I I think a better thing instead of you know having the uh, you know everybody kind of trained in improv um, or sending everybody to a class and then it 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 having no effect on them um, would be to have somebody who their entire purpose they are the uh, the entertainment uh, they are the the conference called jester if you will you know, maybe send them to improv or something you know do whatever you want to do or find somebody who's naturally <laughs> funny. Just and, on the uh, conference call with his hilarious japes. Right. And, you know, they, they wouldn't be on all the time. And sometimes there'd be conference calls where they're not really called for because, you know, it's a it's a pretty, like, wall-to-wall packed, uh, information-heavy uh, conference call. But in the, in the interim, when people are setting up or, you know, they're taking a break or something like that, that person should be there to kind of fill the air. In some cases, it, it could be physical comedy. Having been to like the uh, the pips the uh, the program increment planning those big meetings uh-huh. where we've got like the whole big preamble at the start of the day where they've set up the AV equipment and they're piping it out to everybody. Mm-hmm. If we had a fool in Motley cavorting about on stage, I do think that would probably be pretty entertaining. Essentially, you know, if it's just a, a call, call, you know, maybe you wouldn't get some of the physical comedy. But if it's actually like a video call, like a WebEx or something, then there's plenty of opportunity for a, a webcam to be trained on this bastard and, and watch them do something funny. I, I will say, e- even as I started to, to say, you know, let, let's have somebody whose whole job is it, it is to entertain, um, I, I realized my folly uh, because, you know, there was an, an event that I was at recently and it was it was a great event. Like overall, it was a very heartwarming you know, great event, but in order to kind of break the ice and and stuff like that, they had somebody who, by their 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 LinkedIn profile, they were a comedy writer. Um, I would question their credentials. <laughs> Maybe should have seen some of them up front because it was so bad. I can put like, any fucking thing I want on LinkedIn, and 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 this may have been one of those cases, but. You know, they they basically were kind of warming up the people before like the festivities really started, and it was it was terrible. <laughs> like they were like they were not from the south, and like everybody else was were basically from the south, and like they started pulling out like some like Appalachian style jokes and stuff, and we're like, oh, those go over so well down here. It's like, do you really think that that we want to joke about moonshine? Like, I don't. I mean, sure, we all we all have a still where we make our own moonshine, but that's not that's not funny. That's just business. I mean, exactly. I mean, that's that's where you make a little spending cash for the summer. I don't. Uh, nothing funny I mean, about that, Derek. 
yeah so so i mean i i get that that's probably not going to to be the the foolproof plan but i think that if they are more in the like the uh the the pratfall or the um you know physical comedy like like pull out some of the uh uh, you know, snakes in a can type of gag, things like that. I think that could go over well and 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 really kind of make it to where other people don't have to fall flat on their face, um, figuratively, so, figuratively or literally. What would your feelings be on the office clown, Derek? And by office clown, I mean literal clown with the face makeup and everything. You know, I don't have a big problem with clowns. I don't like clowns. Like you will never hear me say, "Thank God there's a clown." <laughs> but uh, <laughs> ah, the, the clown the is here at last. <laughs> at long last, the clown that I've been waiting for. Um, I- I'm not afraid of clowns, but uh, you know, I've never. I mean, I-, I I guess I'll take that back. I've never been pleased that a- that a clown was there. I mean, <laughs> at-, at at a birthday party, didn't really care. At the supermarket, didn't really care. Funeral, really distasteful and didn't care. Um, <laughs> so uh, what, what style of clown are we talking about? Are we talking like Bozo or like... Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking like Bozo, Pennywise, you know, the classics. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Those two are not like one another. <laughs> <laughs> they're more alike than they're different, Derek. <laughs> hey. Touche. So I, I think my biggest question in all of this is what uh, what sort of shenaniganery are they going to be equipped with? Um, if we're talking the full blown like seltzer water and like squirting flour, I think I could be on board. Yeah, I I'm I think that's where we're going to have to go. Like I want the big shoes. I want the honky nose. I want the seltzer water bottle. I can see that. Yeah, that is preferable to having to make up funny things to say on the spot in front of my coworkers. <laughs> so if you want to make a pitch, be my guest, let me know how it goes and uh I'll I'll just copy your draft when I submit it to my people. <laughs> All right, Derek, uh, you want to take an issue from the internet? Let's do that. All right, this is from user Dusty Old Bones. Oh, Dusty. Yeah, we'll we'll just call him Dusty for short. I a 21-year-old female, lied on my resume and got the job, freaking out. I recently quit my job at a call center. The work made me depressed and anxious, and I only worked there for about three months. To improve my resume, a family friend who is a real estate agent said that I could include on my resume that I've been her assistant for seven months, even though I never have. She figured that I wouldn't be claiming to have very much real estate experience by just being an, an assistant. I got a job at a real estate office, and it is much more responsibility than I was expecting. Day two of the job, they expected me to complete a report and handle clients. I wanted to throw up. I have no idea what anyone is talking about. I never claimed to have any experience with the nitty-gritty of real estate. I don't know what to do. I, I had two panic attacks yesterday, and I'm afraid that I'll be just as anxious at this job. I don't know if I should quit before I fall flat on my face and lose the company of a lot of money or stick it out. It is substantially more money than I have ever made. I like the fact they closed with the fact that it is more money than they have ever made. Um, <laughs> this is terrible. I don't know what I'm doing. I have absolutely no experience, but the money real good. 
uh, I mean, I have I have been in a couple situations that were kind of on on par with that. Not necessarily. It was at least in the field that I was expected to know about. Um, but I didn't always know, you know, quite exactly what they were they were wanting. Like <laughs> they read into something they shouldn't have read into uh, on my resume. Um, but no, this would be this would be a bit of a tough situation. This is where you go into the Cyrano de Bergerac, and like. She already has a person that knows about real estate, so she's just going to have to, every day she goes into work and she has that person on call in an earpiece (laughs) so that they can feed her the answers to any questions. So is that with the expectation that they would eventually kind of learn uh, from that, or is that literally like, this is the arrangement now, you have to do my job as well as your own? I mean, I would, I would think that eventually you'd get good at it, but, uh, but yeah, <laughs> I mean, to, in all honesty, uh, just about anything, if you have a little bit of time with Google, you can make a decent run at it. I, I, I think you're right. I think that you, know, you may not have like the, uh, you know, certification or whatnot, but I mean, if they, if they didn't ask to see like a certification then you're not doing something that you that you have to be certified for. You just have to figure out how to look like you know what the people who are certified actually do. So if you can just Google that and you know don't <laughs> you know don't be a slacker like like don't like you don't want to like uh, both be like incompetent and you know be labeled a slacker. Like do some hand waving, um, do some misdirection uh, to buy yourself a little time. But yeah, if you invest the time to just Google it and figure out, uh, whenever you're asked to do something, like write it down as if you're saying, yes, I have to do this, but, but then take that to like the restroom and like Google it on your phone. It's like, how do I do this report? It's like every time we ask Mary to do something, she writes it down and then excuses herself rapidly to the bathroom. Which, I mean, in their case, like, it doesn't sound like it's far from the truth. Like, <laughs> I've gotten anxiety poops before. <laughs> <laughs> Mary, can you uh, sit with these clients to fill out a Form 187.3? Oop, got a poop. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Wait, got a poop. <laughs> oh, my duodenum's acting up. <laughs> and, like, like she's so nervous that she's, like, sweating. <laughs> so when she comes back, like, she's just, like, drenched. Like, ooh, ooh, ooh. And see, this this might actually be like kind of a uh, kind of an extra boon for you is that when they see that you are sweating, uh, they'll be like, you know what, <laughs> we'll pick this up later. <laughs> and so you have bought yourself even more time. So you just you just come back out, and you know you're drenched in sweat, and then you just go bad clams. <laughs> That's fuck you, Frank. That's not funny. <laughs> Don't make a joke about my stuff. <laughs> oh, shit, Derek. Honestly, I forgot that happened to you. <laughs> did you really? I did. Frank. I honestly did. Oh, God damn it. Sorry about that. Oh, God. Uh, Jesus. Clams, like, I literally uh, have had dreams before where I, I've been offered clams, and, like, it's kind of like uh, those old, like, 90s uh, commercials where they show, like, somebody creepy handing you some drugs. Like, it's somebody creepy, like, handing me some fried clams. I'm like, no! <laughs> Just say no! <laughs> <laughs> this is your gastrointestinal track on drugs. 
yeah, there's there's something subconscious about that. Uh, but you know, and and it's funny. I don't think I've actually had clams at all since I've since I had the food poisoning. <laughs> I mean, that'll put you off your feed, Derek. That'll put you off your feed for a good long time. Oh God, <laughs> nothing like a bout of mild dysentery to put you off your feed. <laughs> Derek Man. had clams and then had cholera. <laughs> Ain't them the them the breaks? <laughs> no, More like so, the skids. Uh, anyway, <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> Your double entendre game too strong, Frank. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, that's gross. Um, yeah. So I I think that uh, the 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 part of of this that I think that kind of kind of irks me a little bit is that okay if somebody comes to me and says hey you know i really want to get this job as like a receptionist or or something like that uh for you know like a software company in my in my case like i want to i want to be a receptionist for a software company that handles a lot of clients going in and out you know can you provide me uh, a fake reference that says that i've been doing that thing for you for a long you know for several months you know, I would, I mean, I don't know, depending on who they are, maybe I'll be like, yeah, sure, that's fine. Um, I tend to normally, you know, try to be honest about stuff like that, because I cannot lie for shit. Like, if, <laughs> if you, like, I am an interrogator's dream. Like, if I ever get caught doing anything, like, you know, some people are so, can keep up with, like, these, like, false uh, narratives and timelines in their head. I can't. Like, if I look back and it's not the truth, I'm, I'm fucked. Like, it's like, well, I could make something up, but it ain't going to be good. So I guess I'll go ahead and tell you the truth. (laughs) Um, Oh, it would be no good for anybody to call and confirm references with you because they'd be like, hey, did, did you, it says here that she's got experience doing this and you'd be like, yep, wait, no. I gotta come clean. She ain't never done shit. I ain't even met her before. If I lied for somebody's resume, I think I would feel some sort of impetus at least to like prep them somewhat. Like if not, like give them a full rundown, at least be like, hey, if you're in this job, like you're probably going to be dealing with like estimates and clients asking for software. And so here are some of the jargon that you might hear, like at least Google these things. Like you think they'd at least set them up somewhat but in this case it's like i got you fam just uh put it on your resume and yeah marry a bit about it for me i don't think i would ever be able to do that like just walk in with some blatantly false shit on my resume Hell at the no. same time i do know that people can get away with a lot through just blind confidence <laughs> And so I have to assume that this person can probably, like, if she can get over her panic attacks and just confidently state things, I'm, I'm sure she'll be fine. You know, if they're like, can you fill out a, a 145B with Mrs. Parsons over here? And then she fucks it up. She can just be like, hmm, you guys still do it that way, huh? I mean, I guess we can, I guess we can do the 145B. Uh... <laughs> Hmm. Oh my god. That that is a level of confidence that I that I aspire to have. Uh just complete blind faith in your ability. 
regardless of all outwards outward signs to the opposite. Like that is just uh you know, I, I don't I guess I don't aspire to arrogance, but at the same time, like there have been times where I should know how to do something and somebody asked me, Can you do this thing? And I'm like, No. <laughs> I do that. Uh, you're going to have to show me. And then, you know, of course they get irritated. They're like, oh, you should know how to do this. But, uh, I can't imagine like saying, it's like, yeah, I'll do it. And then I, I don't know. What, what do you do then? Do you go around asking people? It's like, I've just been asked to do this. Can you help me do this? Uh, or you, I guess you could delegate and then, uh, and then by proxy prove that you are a really good manager <laughs> because that's true. Like, Managers themselves don't have to be good at anything. They just have to be good at finding the people who are good at that thing. So, by proxy, you have just promoted yourself. <laughs> she got hired as the assistant, and then three weeks later, she's management. <laughs> just by dint of she's got everybody else doing all the work for her. I mean, she's got she's got potential. <laughs> this is uh, this is the stuff of nightmares. I I honestly don't put stuff on my resume for fear that, like, you know, I don't put stuff on my resume unless I'm a solid, like, four out of ten as far as experience. Like, if I've, if I've, like, if I've walked by uh, a certain technology, I'm not going to say that I've, that I've done it. Like, unless I can competently do it in a stressful environment, like on a test or something, it's not going on the, on the resume. So there's a lot of, like, tangential shit that I could put on mine that that may or may not be relevant, but but God forbid, if you if there's something on my resume and you ask me about it, you better be fucking sure I'm at least halfway good at it. <laughs> like that is absolutely a hundred percent set in stone. I, I will say that the minimum knowledge that you need to have to walk into something like this is enough to know what you need to Google. Right. Because I could see walking in and, and being, you know, so ignorant of the specifics of the job that you don't even know how to craft a good search. For instance, I'm not a software developer, but I'm pretty sure that I could pass myself off as one for a decent <laughs> amount of time if I just had Google and enough time to bullshit. And see, but that's the thing, is that even that, like, yeah, you weren't, you you may not have, like, the the expertise to... Uh, to do it by yourself, but as long as like you're googling the right things, like you're still gonna be a fairly confident developer. <laughs> like it's really, uh, you know, anything that I'm ever asked to do, like it's not really, you know, are you able to do this? If 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 somebody sat me down in in a room and literally said, "Can you do this without use of the internet or some sort of like readme doc?" No, I haven't. I haven't had to do anything without like my internet brain in like 10 years. So fuck no, I'm not I'm not going to do that. Um whereas if you ask me, yeah, with all your resources at hand, can you do this? I'll be like fuck yeah, I'll I'll build you a, a Boeing. Like I don't give a shit. Like <laughs> I can I can google mostly everything that I need to know. Um you know, once we get down in like some of the seals around the engine and the rocket propellant, maybe maybe we'll get a professional in there at that point. But um, I'll build everything... it, but I'm not going to test fly it. <laughs> <laughs> see, see, that's where you find out the phonies. Uh, if if they'll build it, but they won't test it, that's how you know they don't stand behind their product. <laughs> All right, Derek, you want to punch the clock? Let's punch this clock.
If you enjoy the show, please rate us and review us on iTunes. It helps out in a big way by helping other people find us, and it helps us attract more listeners. If you do, we'll read your review on the show. If you have any questions you'd like for us to answer on air, send them to questions at WLICast.com. You can also visit us on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash WLICast, or on Twitter at WLImbalance, and use the hashtag WLICast. This has been the Work-Life Imbalance Podcast. I'm Frank Eastman. I'm Derek Lewis. And with that, I think we're going to have to transfer you. Frank, I got a plane that I need you to fly. (laughs) If if you've built it, Derek, I'll fly it. (laughs) My plan comes to fruition. (laughs) Finally. That was the most convoluted way to bump me off. Ha, ha, ha.